I will freely admit this is more of a teaching than a sermon. We talked last week during Midrash about three voices, and some of you were here, and I sort of did it on horseback, and I didn't think I did a very good job. So the combination of a number of you haven't heard it, and me not doing a very good job leads me to do it again. First thing is to set a baseline, the Torah. You all know what the Torah is. The Torah is God's teaching and instruction. It is not law. The word law implies somebody is enforcing it. If you go past the speed limit, there is the potential of a cop being out there and jerking you up and giving you a ticket. Torah is not like that. Torah is God's wisdom given to humanity as a blessing to explain two things. Thing one is the relationship of Israel with him. That's the covenant part. And then second is, how does this world that I put you into work? And there are things in the Torah that you can't figure out for yourself. So Torah is wisdom, it's teaching instruction, is the covenant that God has with his people, all of those kinds of things. What it isn't is a body of statutes. In other words, if you go 25 miles an hour over the speed limit, it's a $100 ticket. 30 miles an hour, it's 150 you know, That doesn't exist in the Torah. The other thing that God talks about in his Torah is how serious it is when you mess up. For example, if you mess up and you kill somebody, that's super serious. And the penalty there is death. If, however, you mess up and steal somebody's sheep, that's less serious you got to pay it back plus 20%. Just like you can look at a behavior and you can say, wow, that's really bad, that's serious, and yeah, that isn't right, but that's not quite so serious. God can make those same distinctions. And one of the things that the Sunday church does, with which I disagree, is they say all sin is the same. It isn't. God himself says it isn't. Otherwise, there wouldn't be various penalties within the Torah for violating it. It would all be one penalty. So that's the first thing. Now, I owe this insight to, I think, a guy named James Kugel. I read it, and I think that's where I read it, but if I'm wrong, I'll give him credit anyway because he's a really good guy. And this guy's a Jew. He's not a Christian. What he comes up with is there are three voices in the Tanakh, and they are the voice of the priest, the voice of the king, and the voice of the prophet. And those three voices do three different things. So the voice of the priest, and by the way, that is defined for us in Leviticus 10. And I'll read it for you. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, the priest, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Here we go. You are to distinguish between holy and common, between the unclean and the clean, and you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken by Moses. So three jobs there, right? Distinguish between clean and unclean. Quail are okay, pigs are not. That's the job. Holy and common. That belongs to the Lord, you can't touch it. That belongs to you, do whatever you want to with it holy and common. And then he used to teach about the Torah. And in fact, that's why the Levites are judges. When people come to 
figure out how do we solve this, you need a person who is versed in the Torah, who can listen to the situation and say, ah, okay, this is the Torah that applies here, do it this way. That's the voice of a priest. The voice of the king, the way I would describe this, anybody like cowboy poetry? I do. There's an aphorism in cowboy poetry, don't squat with your spurs on. Now, squatting with your spurs on is not a sin. It's just stupid. So the voice of the king is human wisdom. And that's Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and so forth. And those are things that are said to instruct you in the things that wise people have learned over the years. And they're written down. They are written positively. In other words, they are written like their commandments. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 12.21 No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but I've looked at the world, and I have seen the righteous have all sorts of problems. Book of Job, by the way, the whole thing is problems of somebody who's righteous. But it's written like a commandment, because it's for teaching. And the general principle is... If you live a righteous life, your life will go a whole lot better than if you live a wicked life. But it is not, thus saith the Lord, and this is a promise of God, and you can take it to the bank. It's the voice of wisdom. Because it's in the Bible, a lot of the wisdom of the king is spoken in context of Torah. In other words, the society that wrote those things down is a society that has the Torah, that understands the Torah, so as they're writing these Proverbs down, they will refer to the Torah and they'll refer to God, appropriately so. God's the one that decides who's righteous and who's wicked, but what they say is, if you're going to live a righteous life, it'll go well with you. If you're going to live a wicked life, it's going to go poorly with you, but it is not, thus saith the Lord and God promises. And then the third voice is the voice of the prophet. And the prophet's job is to come to Israel and tell them when they have gone off the rails. So, as I am very fond of saying, if a prophet comes into your town, he's not there to tell you what a good job you're doing. God sends prophets when you're screwing up. What the prophet's job is, first off, he speaks for God in the situation. So the prophet comes in and says, this is what you're doing and this is what God thinks about it. First thing he typically says is repent. You're doing this and don't do it anymore. Stop. Turn around. Go back. Because God is watching you and he is not pleased with what you're doing. The second thing is you may be violating the covenant. And one of the things God says with the covenant is God gets really upset violations of the covenant because what that means is you are following other gods and other gods are destructive. They are seductive and destructive. They look like they're really attractive and they're giving you a good deal, but what they're doing is they are ultimately leading you to destruction. So God says, don't mess with those other gods. And very typically, the path down that Israel starts on starts with idol worship. And then God finally has to get in there and jerk them up short. And what he finally winds up doing is sending them off into exile in several cases. He also gets really upset 
if the powerful take advantage of the weak and you all know God's poster children for the weak the fatherless the widow the stranger people who don't have anybody to take care of them so when the society starts taking advantage of those people God gets upset and he sends a prophet and says knock it off typically they don't and the final thing that a prophet will say is if you don't listen to the repent message at some point the opportunity for repentance passes opportunity for repentance is a window I sent you the prophet I told you what the problem was I told you to quit it if you don't what typically happens then is the prophet starts speaking in parables and you're going into exile now all of these three voices don't say anything new what they do is they speak God's word or explain God's word in words that are appropriate to the society at that time and the situation let me give you an example Jeremiah is a prophet Jeremiah 7.30 For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. In other words, he's speaking for God. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. Ooh, they've done idols. Taurus talks about idols, doesn't it? This isn't anything new. It's just saying this is what you're doing. I'm pointing it out and calling you out on it. And they have built the high places of Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Now, what I will say to you is God is not particularly surprised. What he's saying is, wait a minute, I told you back here in the Torah, no murder. That applies to burning your sons to a foreign god. It's that kind of a thing. It's not, oh, wow, here's something brand new. I never thought of that and I'm changing the Torah. I told you not to murder. I'm just telling you right now that this thing that you are doing is in fact murder. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because Yeshua, because he is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, because he is a prophet, and because he is our king, speaks with all three of those voices. And as you're reading the New Testament, what is, I believe, very useful is to figure out which voice he's using as he is saying something. Now, as I'm fond of saying, there isn't anything new in the New Testament. So Yeshua will say things out of Torah or out of Proverbs, and he'll say them in a way that makes sense to the audience he's listening to. But the underlying principle that he's talking about is back there in the Tanakh. It's one of the three voices. It's the voice of the prophet, the voice of the priest, or the voice of the king. And you can find pretty much everything that Yeshua talks about back in the Tanakh. And all he's doing, and when I say all he's doing, don't get me wrong, I am not suggesting that this is a trivial thing. But what I'm saying is you need to figure out what he's saying because what the Sunday church does is it takes every word he says and they see it as a new commandment. It's not. It is simply him explaining something God said before in words that match the current situation. 
one of the things I'm fond of saying is God said it right the first time. It is not the case that God, when he was giving the Torah to Moses, said, Oh, shoot, I never thought of that. No, he said it right the first time. And if you are like me, who believes that God and Yeshua are one being, I said it right the first time, now what I'm doing is I'm coming back and I'm explaining it to you in a different way. I'm explaining it to you as a priest. Remember, the priest's job is to explain the Torah. And so what I'm doing is I'm coming back as a priest and I'm explaining this thing to you in my function as a priest. Not making a new law, I am simply explaining how the existing law applies to the situation that you're in. Same thing is he comes back the prophet. What's the first thing Yeshua says in the Gospels? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the voice of a prophet. I am coming now into this situation in Israel, and I am explaining to you that you guys have gone off the rail, and you need to repent, and you need to come back to the word of God. And one of the things he typically dukes it out with them on is they have emended, which is added to, the Word of God. And it's called the Oral Torah. So they've added to the Word of God, and what Yeshua comes in and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you've added to this. That isn't what it originally says. And the stuff you've added to it is wrong, and furthermore, the stuff you've added to it negates the Torah. Poster child for that is when he's duking it out with the Pharisees. The incident is when they're walking through the field and picking heads of grain on the Sabbath and rubbing them between their hands and popping grain in their mouth. And the Pharisees, oh, you guys are harvesting and threshing grain on the Sabbath. That's not permitted. That's the situation. What Yeshua says is, wait a minute, guys. You don't get it. Let me give you an example, guys. You say that if someone has money and has dedicated it to the temple, and his parents need support, that he is exempt from giving his parents support because the money that would have gone to his parents is dedicated to the temple. That's what you said. Uh, guys, that's not in the Torah. What the Torah says is honor your father and your mother, which is to say you take care of them. That's what the Torah says. But what you've done is you've added this thing on top of it that makes void the word of God. That's wrong. There he is speaking as a priest. He is explaining the Torah to them in a situation. He's not adding anything new. He's not changing the commandment, honor your father and your mother. What he's saying is you guys have gone off the rails and you're not doing it. And the reason you're not doing it is because you've added to the Torah and you've got something else going over here which you think exempts you from that particular commandment in the Torah. Nonsense. It isn't right. Knock it off. And then he furthermore declares all food clean. Now, one of the things he doesn't do is change the definition of food. Back in Leviticus, God defines what food is. This is what you can eat. That's what you can't eat. We're talking about food here. We're not talking about pigs and bats and snails and all that kind of stuff. That's not food. But what he is saying is eating food with hands that you have not washed is not a sin. 
because the food that goes into your mouth doesn't defile you. What defiles you is what comes out of your heart. Now you guys have set up all these rituals about how you wash and what you got to do before you eat and all that kind of stuff. And believe me, washing your hands before you eat is a good idea. That's the voice of the king. He's not saying washing your hands before you eat is dumb. What he's saying is not washing your hands before you eat is not a sin. It may be stupid, but it's not a sin. Listen to his voice. Listen to what he's talking about. Listen to the role that he is in. He comes and speaks as a prophet. Give you an example. Luke 19. When he drew near to the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, for now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. So what he's saying is, I came to you as a prophet. I called you to repent. You didn't listen to me. Now it's too late. And so I'm going to now start speaking in parables, and this is what's going to happen. You had your chance. And what I'm telling you is, I gave you the chance, and when you go into exile, you can go back and read these words, and you can see where you went wrong, because I'm telling you this, but now it's too late. That's the voice of a prophet. The voice of a king. That's where we're in today's gospel reading. So let's look at today's gospel reading. Luke 16, verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And in another version it says men will put into your lap. In, I think, Matthew. It will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How many preachers do you know who stand up and say, Give here and it will be dumped into your lap supernaturally. Let's see if there's something in Proverbs that talks about this. I will suggest that there is. Proverbs 11.24 One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered. That's the voice of the king. What it's saying is, if you are generous, your life will go better and things will come to you. It is not saying if you put your last dollar into the collection plate, tomorrow you're going to be flocked with a Mercedes. But notice it's stated positively. But it's the voice of the king. What he's doing is he's giving wisdom here. He is not giving a promise. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Every word that Yeshua speaks is important. Pay attention to them all but pay attention to them in the context of what he's doing. As I say, preachers forever have been using that as a way to fleece their sheep. And get me wrong, preachers fleecing their sheep is okay. I don't have any problem with that, you understand. But they're using it incorrectly, is what I'm saying. Let's keep going. Verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. How many people in the Sunday church say, Judge not, judge not. Remember this all started with, Judge not and you will not be judged. You can't judge me. And our society has weaponized that. And now we're up to our hips and weirdos because the church is afraid to pronounce judgment and say, that's wrong. That's perverse. Don't do that. You can't judge me. Says so in your own scriptures. Nonsense. Let's go back to Proverbs and see what we get. Proverbs 25.11 A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. So the idea that you're not to reprove your brother is nonsense. What he's talking about is don't be a hypocrite. That's very different. It's a different lesson. The lesson is not don't speak. The lesson is don't contemn somebody for something that you're doing. Get yourself cleaned up before you go and talk to your brother. It does not say don't make judgments. That's not the message. It's don't be a hypocrite. What I'm suggesting to you is by not separating the voices the Sunday church reads these things and goes astray. Give you another one. I'm going to skip forward in the reading today. Down to verse 46 in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and did not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Do you suppose we could find something like that in Proverbs? I think I can. Proverbs 9, starting in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her young men and women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, he says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. That sound like what Yeshua is saying? Now, the thing to understand about Yeshua, and you all do, but I will remind you, is he's a Jew. He's living in Israel. He's living in a culture that understands Torah. This is the stuff that they've read. Everybody understands this stuff. So when Yeshua speaks these words in front of a crowd of people, their minds do what I just did with you. Ooh, he's talking about building a house. He's talking about a proverb here. Ooh, 
I know that proverb. And what he's doing is he is bringing that proverb up to date for the situation. So as you read the story in Scripture, be alert. You guys know the Scriptures. Some of you know them a lot better than I do. So as you're reading his words, what you want to do is say, what voice is he using here? What's he saying to us? What's the message? And by the way, where is it in the Tanakh so I can read it in another version? Because remember, one of the functions of a teacher is to speak things in a way that his audience will understand. Yeshua was speaking that 2,000 years ago. We have changed. Witness, as I say, much of the church reads this stuff and draws the wrong conclusion from it. So as you read that, think, where's that in the Tanakh? Go back and read it in the Tanakh, and what you will do is you'll get two perspectives on the same message. They all come together, but they're different ways of saying it. Yeshua says it one way. And of course, to his audience, who was well-versed in the Tanakh, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. To us, who are not so well-steeped in that culture, find it other places in the Tanakh and read it in different versions, and what you'll do is you'll get different perspectives on the same piece of wisdom. That's what I'm suggesting that you do. And this section, by the way, that we're in, in Luke, in our readings, is absolutely perfect for all of this. Because this is all the voice of the king. The Sermon on the Mount is the voice of the king. And you can find virtually everything that he says in the Sermon on the Mount back in the Torah and Proverbs as wisdom. And by the way, Moses also talked with all three voices until Aaron took over. So when Aaron took over the job of the priest, Aaron picked up that voice. But before Aaron took over, Moses spoke with all three voices. He was the leader. So he would speak wisdom to them. He was also a prophet. He was speaking for God into the situation. He was also acting as a priest because he was explaining Torah to them. And by the way, just came to me, what does God say in Deuteronomy about another prophet? There's another prophet company that will be like Moses. That's what Yeshua is. Just as Moses spoke with all three voices in the Torah, because the Torah has wisdom, it's got definitions of clean and unclean and all that kind of stuff, and it's got prophecy. It's got all three voices. And what God says to Moses is there's going to come another prophet like you, Moses, and that other prophet, Yeshua, is also going to speak with all three voices. And I will say this one more time. Every word that is written down from Yeshua's mouth is important. I'm not saying disregard anything. What I'm saying is read it in context and understand what voice he is using because sometimes what he's saying is don't squat with your spurs on. And other times he's saying... If you do this, you're going to die. Those are two different messages. One is don't do nothing stupid. And the other one is you don't follow this one, you're going to die. Those are very different messages. Okay? And don't squat with your spurs on. It's stupid. Okay? And again, I'm not saying that you should ignore anything he says. I'm just simply saying look at it in context and figure out just like God, when he wrote the Torah, says, 
different things have different consequences. You do this, you die. You do this, it's really not going to go well with you and it's really stupid. I'm telling you, don't do that. Those are two different messages. Learn to differentiate them, both in the Torah, the Tanakh, and in the New Testament. Because they're all there. And that way you don't get wrapped around your axles when you're sitting there with spur marks in your rear end. You just recognize that, gee, that was really stupid. But God's not grumpy with me about it. It's just really stupid. You understand what the message is? And my problem with much of the Sunday church is they see it all as it's all sin. Well, no, it's not. Some of it's just stupid. And learn to differentiate those. 